0: This is Lovecraft Country Chronicles, part of the fan-sided podcast network. Please welcome your hosts, Mia Johnson and Natalie Zamora.
2: All right, welcome back to the Lovecraft Country Chronicles podcast. I'm a co-host, Natalie Zamora. I'm joined by my co-host,
0: Mia Johnson. Hi, everybody.
2: (laughs) And today we have a really special episode for you guys because we have a special guest. Morgan Jerkins is joining us. Morgan is a New York Times bestselling author and the senior editor is Zora, which if you are not familiar with that site, it's an online publication for women of color. So definitely check that out. Hi, Morgan. Thank you so much for joining our podcast. We're so excited to have you on. Thank you for having me.
1: I'm excited too.
0: Yay. awesome i'm excited because this is a we're calling these bonus episodes i don't know what to call yeah. them
1: <laughs> but we
0: usually do like these recaps and we're like but what if we did more episodes so you're our first bonus yes. episode guest i'm excited yay <laughs>
2: Um, So just so everyone knows, I really wanted to speak to Morgan, um, and I know once I showed Mia too, she was really excited because um, originally because I saw a series of tweets of hers, she had tagged the Lovecraft Country um, hashtag on Twitter and asked her followers where they knew of documented or suspected sundown towns in America today. Um, I did a deeper dive on her and then saw she wrote a piece for Medium about the towns that still exist today. So I thought that would just be a really great conversation to have, especially because, you know, in Lovecraft Country, the first episode, they have to, they endure the sundown county, actually, not even just a town. Yeah. So before we get into all the research, I think we should just kick it off. And for any listeners that might not know too much about sundown towns, what are sundown towns and what are what are the consequences
1: here? Okay, so sundown towns, uh, just to put in layman's terms, it's usually all white municipalities, uh, neighborhoods, sometimes even counties and often and sometimes even states that want to enforce or sustain racial segregation not only against black people but also non-whites in general and they do this through ordinances laws and also uh physical intimidation Mm. when did i was wondering when did these
0: sundown towns or you know areas start to come into prominence
1: so i was doing a little research and it's interesting because there are some sources that state that uh, during the Reconstruction era, right, after emancipation, mm. of the Civil War, um, there were these all-, all white towns that were like, we don't want any black people, for example, in them, especially because now they're free. They're not our property yeah. anymore. But mm. even prior to Reconstruction, Oregon, for example, um, 1844, they did not allow free black people in the town, in the, in the entire state. And as a matter of fact, if a free black person was found in Oregon Territory, if they violated the ban, they would get whipped. No, it was like no less than 20, no more than 30 uh, stripes, they said. So there was already these things that were happening even prior to emancipation to keep free black people to curtail their movement.
0: That's wow. It's really like mind blowing kind of. It's weird here because you know, like, bad things happen after emancipation. Like, you know, Juneteenth Mm -hmm. was like, you know, the official, unofficial, finally, everyone is free, everyone is happy. But it's like, really, right, right, that is not true. There is so much that we don't, we know, sometimes we don't know, but that the history isn't teaching us. Um, Yeah. Absolutely. um I want I do want to mention I was uh, I I got to interview Courtney B Vance and yeah. <laughs> it was, he was really really oh, cool I, I love him to say. so much uh, <laughs> he plays George in in Lovecraft country and he was also talking about how this is just one of those shows where it's really opening up to everyone the realities of America but even in the the 1950s um I, just talking about like himself and he was like when I grew up you know, I didn't get to learn my Black history. Uh, there are right. people right now who didn't even know things like, he said, the Tulsa race riots.
1: Uh, well, yeah. man, Yeah, didn't right. know. <laughs> and that's why i say shout out to HBO. I mean, because yeah. of... Watchmen, a whole generation of people got to know about the Tulsa Massacre. And Mm -hmm. after that show aired, I think a couple months after that, um, there was a report that I read that they're trying to find if there's any um, skeletal remains of people who were slaughtered um, during that massacre. And so now with Lovecraft Country, we have black people, well and white people because when I did my thread on the Sundown Times, they were like, they had no idea what that was. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so I so shout out to HBO really um just on unveiling a lot. Wow. Yeah that's
2: yeah it's absolutely crazy. And then so when did towns begin to lift the restrictions or you know say this is over? Because I had no idea that there were still towns that existed now. So Like, why did it stop or they said it stopped
1: and how did it kind of... I mean, did it? Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, wink, wink. Like, I mean, well, I mean, the one thing that I just want to bring, you know, to say that, um, let's say, for example, the Fair Housing Act of 1968, you know, uh, because of the civil rights movement of the fifties and sixties. I mean, these were, you know, advancements that helped, and led to um, a decrease, but we're not sure. And the reason why I say that is because I'll just bring up a personal anecdote that I actually wrote about in my book, Wandering Strange Lands that came out later, um, earlier this month was that, you know, my mother grew up in South Jersey. She grew up in Atlantic City projects. And when she moved to a town about 20 minutes outside of the city in Pomona, she was the second black family on the block and the KKK earned crosses right in, in the backyard. And so and my my grandfather actually had to get like uh, had to pay way more mortgage and loans Mm -hmm. in order to get the home. And there were racial covenants all around South Jersey to make sure black people did not move into those towns. So even though, you know, you have the Fair Housing Act, you have the civil rights movement. I mean, when I made my thread on Twitter, Mm -hmm. there are people my age that were like I've been told do not go to this town if you get if you need to get gas, you better step on it you know what I mean so it's very hard to to say like they're gone they're yeah. not gone because if they if they were gone then we wouldn't be having this discussion yeah. yeah
0: it's a weird scary reality, even thinking about we had my family this was just like earlier this month, so we're talking twenty twenty <laughs> Uh, we were up in Wisconsin, just on our way to small uh, town, Lake Geneva. Uh, and I'm, I'm in Chicago right now. So from Chicago to Wisconsin, and it, that's what some people think. It's like, you know, it's the north, so it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Again, we will, this whole conversation is like, it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just kind of weird. We needed to get some gas off on this little road here. And my dad's got the GPS going. And we're weaving through this town. And all of a sudden, it's like you see one Trump banner in someone's window, and then the other. And you my my stepmother's like, "Where are you taking us?" Mm. You know, it, it's we it or it's interesting that we still kind of have this this fear of this. You know, be careful about where you go. Even, gosh, all these so many years later, in my generation, in our generation, I am <laughs> I'm appalled. You know, I I honestly didn't think that we would still kind of be at this point. You know, being mm-hmm. A young bright person growing up you know hope the world is you know full of rainbows and sunshine when i was a kid <laughs> and now it's like ooh, it's a yeah. lot going on <laughs> yeah
1: indeed yeah.
0: yeah yeah it's really really crazy and it,
2: you know we were going to talk about too like back um in the jim crow era when this was a huge more of an obvious thing i'll say because it's still a thing now um, it wasn't just in the south, and I thought it was insane to see. I'm also from New Jersey, and I saw Cherry Hill was on the list. Of and my places. dad used to live
1: there. My dad used to live there. That's why I was like Cherry Hill. I mean, so the thing is, is it's it's very. I think it's heartbreaking, but it's also like, but yeah, because I mean, I, I'm. I'm a millennial, and I I can't recall being in California Mm -hmm. in L.A. County and walking into a restaurant, and every white person, just like in that that scene in Lovecraft where they went into the diner and they're they're looking at them like, that happened to me. I remember I was six years old. I I clearly remember that, and we were in L.A. County. And that's what I loved about Lovecraft countries that sometimes people think about sundown towns. For me particularly, I always thought the Midwest. I always Mm -hmm. thought like Oklahoma, like the South. But then you realize that, no, like, it's also in the West. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's also in the Northeast, too. Um, there have been many different ways in which white people have tried to force people out, force black yeah. people out, non-white people out.
2: Yeah, that was insane. Because even, I mean, when I was watching it, I figured, you know, back then it wasn't in the North. But then I'm thinking... First of all, I didn't know they were still around. And then second of all, to see, you know, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania. And
1: I'm just mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah. damn And the thing is, it's like when I was growing up, um we would, how do I put this? When I was growing up, we would make jokes about where not to go. Don't yeah. go to ATCO in South Jersey. Don't go to Pittman. Uh, don't go there. You know, and we would laugh about it. So that's why yeah. now I'm like, wait a minute, was that a sundown time? We didn't? No, we never called that. We're just like, your black mind better not be there <laughs> mm-hmm. at at night, you mm-hmm. know, and that was it.
0: Yeah, it's kind of even just like these, even see, I don't w- I don't know if there's something officially that would designate it. Like, is there a law or something, or is it just generally yeah. like the sheriff is like, you know, don't come around these parts after the sun goes down
1: oh well there was actually and this is something that i was actually researching when i was doing sundown towns there was actually something in louisville kentucky um at one point in time where they've been if there was more than 50 percent of white people on a particular block white <laughs> black people could not live there and vice versa so there were ordinances besides Oregon's territory in um, in 1944, even the 20th century, Louisville, Kentucky is an example, where if there were more than 50% white people, black people could not live on that block. Mm. So it wasn't always just physical intimidation. There was also mm-hmm. ordinances um, put into place too. Yeah, yeah. That
0: kind of reminds me of, I think it's okay to talk about this because HBO did release the previews for the next couple episodes. yeah. Um, and the next episode is about uh, Letitia and she inherits this house. It's in the book, too. So okay. <laughs> yeah. really, yeah. <laughs> But she inherits this house. She's from Chicago. She's from the south side, buys the house in the north side. Uh Oh, yeah, that's a, that's um. an American horror story already. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> because it reminds me of like Raising in the Sun. Uh uh-huh. um, yeah. you know Andrew, yeah. it's so yeah yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> that's kind of yeah that's like that's my history because i'm a i'm a south Sider, uh and i've now i've since moved up north and it really is i think more than i've, I've lived a little bit in new york um so 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 segregated mm-hmm. even today back you know from the time that lovecraft country came out in the 50s and all that because they had these processes of redlining and, and that, you know, mm-hmm. and black people, again, just weren't, <laughs> you will see the lengths that they go through to keep
1: yeah. black people out
0: of their neighborhoods from buying yeah. homes and this, this, and that.
1: Right. And that's the thing. It's like, when we think about sundown towns, like, okay, maybe there's no sign. There may not be a sign that says, nigger mm-hmm. put the sun set on you, you know, here. But if you, if you look at an American city or an American neighborhood that has one percent black people in it, point 0.1% black people in it, what does mm-hmm. that say? You know, yeah. what I mean? like you know, like if, if if you see a town where it's like this many percent, like white people, and then on the train track, it's like primarily black people. Because remember, they talk about the train tracks in the first episode. And my mother's a real estate agent; she would tell me oftentimes mm-hmm. the train track symbolizes different racial and socioeconomic mm. lines, even today. So like, mm. if you think about that in terms of topographies of neighborhoods, it's like, okay, well, did black people just not wanna live there? Or was there uphill battle to even be considered to live there? But then also, yep. I mean, think about housing associations. Think about, for example, I, I mean, and this is not a sundown town, but uh, remember that, I don't know if any of you watch Sex in the City, but yeah. that episode where Blair mm-hmm. Underwood wants to be in Miranda's building, and it's all white people that uh, are looking over his background mm-hmm. and they're like, Oh like I don't mm-hmm. want is Connie and she's like, what do you mean by it? it's like not now they're not going to intimidate him with a rifle, you know, yeah. but it's like it's these it's these bettings and evaluations because we don't want you here. Mm-hmm. we yeah. want to keep this this white for lack of a better word, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it's like enough intimidation or just making you feel judged enough that you're like, why would I be here? Like, There's no point. Yep. Terrible. Um, So with your medium piece, that was really, really great. When did you start the research and how did you get all the information?
1: I mean, so when I was writing my second book. Uh, Mm -hmm. Water and Strange Lands, it's a migratory story Mm -hmm. because I noticed that, you know, with the Great Migration, roughly between the years 1910 to 1970, millions of African-Americans fled the South and spread out across the United States. They fled because of racial terrorism. Mm -hmm. Um, And what I realized that often with this movement, it characterized loss in my personal experience. And so Mm -hmm. what I did was I took a reverse path in order to, you know, create dialogue and bridge the gap between those who fled and those who stayed on ancestral land and have these conversations about displacement and systemic violence and cultural racial and just black American identities. And one of the places where I legitimately thought my life was at risk was in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. I was doing research on the ties between black and indigenous people because unbeknownst to me, you know, I'm a public school graduate. Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't know that on the Trail of Tears when President Andrew Jackson forced five tribes, the Cherokee, the Choctaw, the Chickasaw, the Seminole Creek, west of the Mississippi and Indian territory. I didn't know that black people on that journey. And I didn't mm. know that because of their status within these tribes and their changing status, that their descendants now are fighting for equal rights within that tribe. Wow. When I went out there, um, I was, I, my, I always have a liaison because I'm five feet. I'm a black woman. You know, I'm told I have, I don't have a bitch face. So I'm very, you know, I'm very disarming. Mm-hmm. And every time I went to a different part of the country, I always had a liaison. I always got in touch with them months before mm-hmm. I went out there. So they knew who I was. And that when I went there, they could connect me to other people. So I was speaking to a, a Cherokee freedman. Her, that's freedman is um, the term in certain tribes. It's like someone of African descent. Oh. And her name was Marilyn Van, And Marilyn Van, she told me she wanted me to get a hotel near her home. So that was weird because nobody else anywhere else I traveled said to do that. So she was mm-hmm. like, you know, I want you to get a hotel near my home. And when I went to a protest um, with Seminole Friedman in front of the Bureau of Indian Affairs in Seminole County, Oklahoma, um, which is about I think like an hour and a half away from Oklahoma City. The woman I was with, she was like, you know, if you were my daughter and in her voice tread off, uh-huh. I was like, I mean, if you were my daughter, I'd be scared. Wow. We went there. And while we were protesting, there were these big white trucks circling around, rolling down their windows. And and, you know, the people were telling me, man, if you if you were here a while ago, you, they would have been saying nigger at us. Wow. And then after the protest, we got in a car and two Seminole Friedman males Friedman is, the, is, the, is a catch-all term, but they were men. Mm-hmm. They got in their car and they followed us to the courthouse because she wanted me to take some pictures inside there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I asked her, why are they... Why are they coming? at? Why are they following us? You know, everybody's dispersing and going home. She was like, because we need to be safe. One of the guys was not even living in Oklahoma. He was from Wichita, which was three hours away. And she told me that he would often accompany her to council meetings because of the intimidation. She had already been threatened to be lynched before. And when we were out there, as I was taking pictures, a car zoomed by and she was like, we were being followed. And they did not, the, the men that was with us, the Seminole men, they did not um leave us be until we they saw we were back on the interstate. And these are people who lost their land. These are people who had relatives and loved ones mysteriously die, mm-hmm. um, driven off the road, you know what I'm saying? All types of stuff. And you know, it and I think also in Oklahoma, like. When I think about it, this was two years ago, I was, emo- I'm still emotionally processing it because now yeah. I look at it and I'm like, how in the hell did I go out there with nothing but a rental car, my purse, my phone, a, a recorder, and a prayer? That's all I had and my laptop. Mm-hmm. And I and I honestly believe if I would have done it again, I would have had a weapon because I, ha- I didn't know that when I was taking trips from Tulsa to Oklahoma City, I was passing by sundown towns. I didn't know that actually one of the towns that I had lunch with a Black Creek man. That was historically a Sundown town. I had no mm-hmm. idea until I left. So there were all these moments. Where I'm like, something could have happened, yeah. but it didn't. And mm-hmm. so that's where it was. It was. It was a visceral experience. So watching Lovecraft Country and thinking about them driving and racing before the sun sets because that was me yeah. every day. I was trying to race to go to my hotel and and be able to get in the room to text somebody said I got in the room, not in the hotel but the room mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i and so it was very like when I was watching that scene when they were driving to get past the train tracks, like I just felt the Oklahoma heat again. I remember me being like racing the sun mm-hmm. on the interstate to get back into my hotel room,
2: wow that's terrifying that's honestly really terrifying yeah.
1: but but you know what you don't think about the terror in the moment you, mm-hmm. just think it's like, yeah. you just like it's just something i had a deadline i had a contract and for me it was like i need to get this done and for me i was like these black people are risking their lives to tell me the stories that mm-hmm. they want to tell me, and i'm a relative stranger to them, so i had to do right by them but it wasn't mm-hmm. until i you know the book went into production and i'm talking about it now that i was like yeah, my body really went through that. I didn't really have enough time to process it. It was it was so fast, yeah. and I was by myself. So you know, I was in the hotel room, and it's like, yeah, I called my friends up. But it's one thing to call someone; it's another thing to just like lay on somebody's chest for a bit. But yeah, like, mm-hmm. I got that done. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <absolutely>. I'm <laughs> processing cool. it. Yeah, so, that it's, was a lot. <laughs> yeah, it, it's
0: like you. Like I said, you think these, it's fantasy or this whole thing has like been over or, well, I mean, for, yeah. real, for real, for black people, it's like, you, you know, it, it really has never been over. But to hear like stories to that degree, personally is, is something like, wow.
1: Yeah, and you know what, I was talking to, you know, other writers about this and I was like, black life is just, it's so fantastic. And I don't mean it in a way that, you know, uh, uh, sort of expels us from our humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I mean is just like one of the things that I've been doing since lockdown is something called a black people roll call. Where well, mm-hmm. I would just ask black people questions as a way to foster community? And mm-hmm. I always tie into the zeitgeist. So, of course, with the sundown times, I, I, you know, I decided to do that with the Love Country episode because everybody's talking about it. Mm -hmm. And every time I do these questions, someone always has a story. And -hmm. every time they have a story, you realize how destiny can change. Like I remember, for example, you know, speaking about racial violence, let's say lynching, for example, the Washington Post just said there may have been thousands more black people that are unaccounted for that were lynched. So I asked people, I said, how many of you have heard of somebody who had been lynched or someone who, who was close to being lynched. And one person responded and was like, my grandfather, my grandfather got into it with some white people and he hid in the ditch all night long. Oh my God. And, and he was, and he was alive. And I thought, imagine if he would have came up an hour earlier, 30 minutes earlier, that mm. man that told me that story probably would not even been here. And it's something like that that I think about with Lovecraft Country. If Journey Smollett's character didn't immediately run out, if she would have waited another two minutes, if she would have washed her hands, they probably would have got shot up right in the diner. It's these these quick switches that this quick interaction into survival mode that breathes life into these stories, that breathes life into new people, new generations to talk about it, but it's it's so interesting how the fantasy blends into realism, because even when I was watching the monsters and the gore, and all, I was like, yeah, I can see that because it, it just that type of terror stays with you. And it's passed yeah. down. And I believe it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's it's funny, because when I wrote the Sundown Town thread on Twitter, people were like, which one's historical, which one's current? Mm-hmm. And I said, it's, "And you know, and. I want to be able to distinguish them all. like, how do I, how do you just dis- separate? Because as we both said, Natalie, you know, we live in, you know, we know Cherry Hill. We don't, yeah. I have mean, never had an issue with going there, but like, I can't say for sure that pe- white mother, black people have not been intimidated out yeah. of their homes, out of rest. I can't say that for sure, you know what I mean? So when Mm -hmm. is it that a town that has been so cruel to non-white people automatically becomes a a great place to live for Mm. people that are not white? I don't know. And there's actually a sociologist, I'm going to plug his name because I have to, his name is James Lowen, L-O-E-W-E-N. And he has a book and it was published in 2005. It's called Sundown Towns, The Hidden Mm. Dimension of American Racism. I think it's the seminal work on Sundown Towns. And it's actually a website that he has that lists potential sundown towns and the reason why you can't be certain is because a lot of these towns don't have records they don't all have clear records right so how do we know if the past and the present converge so much when we talk about black american lives particularly with lovecraft country who's to say when something is not a sundown what who's to say that you know i don't know yeah
2: Yeah. And it's crazy too, even to say now which ones are still sundown towns, you know, because they're not going to might not have a sign or the police officer is not going to say, you know, you're not allowed here. But it's an unspoken rule that, you know, it's just not a thing. uh,
1: Right. But also, like even sundown towns, like black people getting killed in broad daylight. Yeah. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? Like we're seeing (laughs) that happening right now. You know what I'm saying George floyd, James, you know not killed, but in James Blake mm-hmm. so doesn't yeah. even have to be the sun going down yeah. you know what I'm saying that that's another discussion mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's,
0: it's coming to it, it yeah, it's like to me, what I see in these recent years is coming to light, like you said, doesn't even have to be the sundown, it doesn't have to be in the dark. these things are yeah. like literally coming to light and I think that you know that's a, that's the main reason. Like today, there was the protest at the uh, the Bucks game. Um, yeah, you know, that, that happened in Milwaukee. So right, that mm-hmm. was in well, Bucks are Milwaukee, Kenosha area. So um, they decided they did not come on the court. They mm-hmm. uh, and you know, like a solidarity protest, basically. So it shows you that. I'm hoping with these things coming to light now that really we'll start to make those structural changes. I don't know how (laughs) I'm not the person, you know, to solve those. But I do feel for those people
1: who are out there
0: right now, who are protesting, who are making some noise, putting this out there.
1: Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, it's something that I do think about. And it's sad because I did not expect to get that many responses on my thread. Um, I thought I was probably gonna get at most 2030. You know, I didn't expect <laughs> yeah. that it was gonna like get thousands of retweets, and I and I made the visual on purpose. I said, you yeah. know, what? I think everybody don't got time to be scrolling and scrolling yeah, and scrolling. Yeah. So and you know what? And and you know, I like me a good visual sometimes, and i on the internet <laughs> and I had time, and, and I was like, I'm gonna show you so you can see that not all of these are in the South. And there were certain states where no one I I saw, no one said anything about North Dakota, South Dakota. I, uh, I don't think anyone said anything about Iowa, but I'm like, I'm sure yeah. that there's history of them there. No one just said it yet. And, I, and and they might have. I haven't looked at it in a while, but I definitely yeah. I wanted to keep the thread up and I wanted to keep the visuals so people can see. It ain't all in the South. In fact, when, when you look at the West Coastline, it's, it's, it's red dots everywhere you know yeah i'll
0: mm-hmm. tell you i've
1: been to i've been to iowa once cuz
0: it's like a neighboring ish state of illinois so we went out there it was like the country land
1: <laughs> where black you uh, like seeing these tractors but even city but, it's like ooh. but even like la county like yeah. i didn't like when i was doing my research you know, you think about it with the Great Migration. So many people migrated to L.A. because of the paradise, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the sunny weather, the palm trees, the beaches. and But you realize that when a lot of African-Americans went there, they realized that the problems that they left in a different town, they were the same yeah. in L.A. County. In fact, the, the like I think it was like at one point in the early 20th century, 20 20% percent of like the police departments in 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 like in California had KKK members, like including the chief of LAPD and Bakersfield PD. Mm. So it's like, what what do you expect? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you look at Compton for example. Compton used to be an all white neighborhood. If you research the spook Hunters, these were white youth gangs that mm. used to terrorize black families when they moved into the neighborhoods. Wow. So it's things like that where it's like, yes, a neighborhood can change over time, mm-hmm. but think about what was there before. and Think about how the black people who dominate the neighborhood are being treated now. Because even when black people started to populate neighborhoods, they, you know, the government wasn't treating them right with regards to housing, sanitation, recreational services, medical services. And then what did we see to happen with those? The riots, the 1965 mm-hmm. riots, the Rodney King riots, right? So it's things like that that we have to think about, even with regards to sundown towns, even if these towns change over time, how are the black people being treated? And then when these protests happen, it's like, well, then look at the history of the city. Look Mm -hmm. what's going on. If I ran my soapbox. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's great.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like I'm thinking about. I took a uh, a black studies class. Ironically, it was taught mm-hmm. by a white professor. He knew so much. I was like, mm-hmm. "Power to you, man!" <laughs> but it was it was about the uh, the civil rights era. But he was talking about even again. I, I talk about Chicago how. When mm-hmm. Martin Luther King came up here, just talking about how these people were so vicious, it was like Martin Luther King, he got out of <laughs> Chicago. I was like, like
1: My mom, I'll tell you a story. I'll yeah. tell you another story. <laughs> um, my mom is only in her 50s. Mm-hmm. When she moved in Pomona, my, my grandfather used to drive my, my mom and her siblings to the bus stop because the white people because mm-hmm. she, they were afraid of leaving them out there. And when I was and I'm thinking about this now, you know, I'm 28 years old and I'm thinking about it now. And I'm like, oh, my God, when I was six, my mom used to drive me to the bus stop and the bus stop was really adjacent from our house. And I just thought she really wanted to just spend time with me. But mm-hmm. now I'm like, maybe she was doing that because of what she had to go through. And we were not. Mm-hmm. And we, were, we were in a diverse neighborhood. We weren't the only black people on the block. Mm-hmm. But I thought about it and I was like, just to see how that, that that intergenerational impact of being surveilled, of being terrorized um, can have an effect on other, you know, on generations to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Wow. Um, so let's talk about Lovecraft Country a little bit, the episode um, or the scene with the sun downtown. So just as a refresher for everyone listening, um, Atticus, George, and Leticia are pulled over in an unfamiliar town um, as they're on their journey to go find Montrose. And the police officer, obviously, he's white. He interrogates them. He's racist and rude. And tells them that he they have seven minutes to get out of the county because it's a sundown county. So was that a realistic portrayal of what would have happened? Or would it be worse?
1: I mean, I personally don't know of anybody with a story like that, Mm -hmm. but that felt realistic to me first, because when I think about how, oh, my God, what is the main character's name? Atticus. Um, Atticus, yeah. Atticus, how he was like, he saw him being too proud. Yeah, and he was like, "I need you to yeah. say this before I let you go." Yeah. I was like, oh, I know that. Mm-hmm. I've seen, I've seen that before. I've seen, especially of a black man. I've seen that before, um, and and even when they drove past it, you still had the police. They drove past the cranes. They, they, still had the police waiting for them. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like that. That seems very realistic. When it comes, I'm gonna just say this. I'm sorry when it comes to the way white people have treated black people or are treating black people, nothing surprises me. Mm -hmm. There is nothing that is beyond the, there's no limit to the imagination. I'm just going to say, especially when the legacy of of not even being considered human, Mm -hmm. there's nothing that you can show me on TV that I'm like, Oh, they wouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. No way. Not the stories that I've heard that I've read in textbooks that I've seen in documentaries If you read narratives, no. So when Mm -hmm. I saw that, I was like, oh, I can see that. And honestly, I could see that even happening today. Yeah. I mean, there was a piece that was published in ProPublica in 2019 about Anna, Illinois, which people commented under my thread about a sundown Mm -hmm. town. And it stands, it's the acronym they think it's called, it's Ain't No Niggers Allowed. That was 2019. So it's like, Mm. yeah yeah.
0: it's like with this series it's like oh man and white people using magic you know to 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 do all the little bit and I was like "Ah, I guess I believe that yeah (laughs) honestly
1: I mean I mean like it was weird because I was like I'm watching Lovecraft and I'm like oh this is gonna sound so bad I don't know how to put it any other way but it's like (laughs) when I was watching Lovecraft I was like the whole time it was like I don't even need the monsters to show up because I've already seen enough monstrosity from mm-hmm. the white characters that I've seen so far. Yeah, I'm, try- I'm trying to get down to run away from them. I don't right. even care about, but when the monster showed up, I was like, oh okay. Like I forgot all about it because <laughs> like, the vast majority of episodes, like we're just seeing the 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 inhumanity mm-hmm. of of white people with regards to black people being in their space. Like I was just like. That, that's scary to me. That's scary. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, at least with Mazda and stuff, like, you blow a whistle, you call off white, you can't call off white people like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't do that. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I think we were talking about that in our last episode, just when we recapped um, the second episode, because it wasn't that monster heavy as the first one was, because I think, you know, we were saying the scariest part were the brave whites and every white person that was just freaking creepy and
0: you don't know what they're going to do next. Like, that was
2: enough.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, this is because uh, this is Jordan Peele produced. So, you know, he didn't really direct. He didn't write or anything like that. But, you know, mm-hmm. it's got a stamp of approval. And I was like, man, I seen it out. And that was, you know, scary enough kind of thinking yeah. about this fictitious, like what, if you know, the underground still were selling black bodies what? and stuff oh, yeah. like
1: that. But is that, but to me, that's like, is that fantasy? Because if you think about Henrietta Lacks, how her cells were yeah. taken without her permission, and because of mm. that, we have all of these scientific advancements. If you think about uh, the syphilis experiment, if you think about uh, J. Marion Sims, who, if it weren't for him experimenting on enslaved black women's bodies without anesthesia, we wouldn't have modern gynecology. So if you think about all of these different things, is still in black people's bodies, Really? That out of the realm of possibility?
0: No. Yes. <laughs> no. It's <Yeah>.
1: not. <laughs> it's not.
0: <laughs> Seriously, I never I never thought about it like that. It's, yeah. it's it's reminded me of just like a twilight zone or a um Jordan Peele does Twilight Zone too, don't he? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like a Black Mirror, where it's like we've already yeah. got something that's scary, and what if we just kicked it up a little notch? Yeah,
1: I, I told people all the time. I speak to this, and I'm like, Charlie Brooker from uh, Black Mirror needs to call me because I'm yeah. t- even in the pandemic, yeah. Like, with all this that's happening, I'm like, this is a freaking Black Mirror episode and I can do a whole freaking series with just Black people mm-hmm. and technology and COVID and all of these different things and the protests, all this stuff that's going on. But yeah, like, when I saw Get Out, I was like, yeah, like, it was a jump scare. I'm like, oh, this could definitely happen. I mean, this could definitely happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Um, do you guys think just in general, I think we kind of touched upon it, but do you guys think that Lovecraft Country just in general has um, depicted segregation and... De- de- Sorry, discrimination, I can't talk. Well, um, we were saying, you know, the scene with Letitia leaving the bathroom and them being at the diner, that was all very realistic. So I think we can agree as a whole. Yeah. The show oh, yeah. I, I, in.
1: Yeah, I, I thought the first scene, the, excuse me, the first episode was so so good Mm -hmm. um the pacing it didn't even feel like 77 minutes or whatever how many minutes it ran Mm -hmm. I thought it was great I thought that you know I I just thought it was great and I think that it was it was realistic for me I mean the only thing that didn't feel realistic of course was just the monster (laughs) part Mm -hmm. but beyond that I was like "Mm." (laughs) 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 yeah
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I guess just wrapping up a little bit, I definitely think we should ask, like, Morgan, how can we make people more aware about the Sundown Towns, both so people who could be affected know about it, but also people that just are not educated on them? Like, how do we s- spread the word, I guess is the way?
1: I mean, this podcast helps. I think that yeah. the podcast is great. I think that, um, like I said, James Lowen's Sundown towns and hidden dimension mm-hmm. of American racism. Mm-hmm. That's a book that people can read. And they can also find a website that he has that lists potential sundown towns in each state. Um, and, You know, he's still alive. You know what I'm saying? Mm So that's something that people can look up on their own. But also just look at your neighborhoods, man. Look Mm -hmm. at your schools. If Mm -hmm. your schools are 98, 99% white, you know what I'm saying? If you're going looking at certain neighborhoods and it's just white, 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 maybe that should tell you a little bit something. That's not saying Mm -hmm. it's a sundown town, but it's like, that's a little, that's, that's, that's great. That's a little weird. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's something, but I think even inside from sundown towns, like we shouldn't stop there like think about like like when we think about redlining Mm -hmm. think about mortgages how black people how they're not even allowed mortgages Mm -hmm. think about covenants you know these packs that people have and this happens in Jersey this happened in California historically like there's all of these different associative elements that should be in conversation with like where can black people or non-white people live Mm -hmm. and live a full life just like the, uh, you know white people that is a question that we should be asking ourselves and you can find it in so many different ways so I think you know having conversations like these help but also just like just read and listen yeah. to black people and believe black people when they say they don't go to a certain gas station because mm-hmm. it's not happenstance it's been passed down for generations and there is a kernel of truth to why black people have these protective measures also look up the, uh, the Negro Motorist Green Book as well. Um it was a it was a book that was passed around in order to protect black people when they traveled mm-hmm. across the country.
0: Right. Yeah. And um George and Hippolyta had their own version yeah. of that too that they were publishing in there. <laughs> now this has been eye opening. We haven't even yeah. got look if they make a sequel or something, the, the part two is gonna be gentrification. <laughs> we need yeah. to touch yeah. on
1: <laughs> yeah. listen, listen. I mean like it, it I mean it's just a lot, but it's like It's interesting when white people are like, oh, I didn't know the sundown sun. I'm just like, girl. But I'm also just like, but I wasn't taught that in textbooks. That was oral history. I wasn't taught that. And, you know, I think it's like, you know, we also think about we have something about history in a wider sense. A lot of our textbooks are are filtered. Um, They're 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 not, you know, I'm not going to say objective, but it's like it's biased. Mm -hmm. and we have to be careful of that, and we have to make sure that when we're trying to think about history, think about the history that's documented and undocumented, and to inform, you know, different kinds of truths that are happening at the same time. So, for example, in that town that the characters went to, that might have been an idyllic town for white people, but then for black people, it's like, get the hell out of there. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. There's two different truths at the same time, and I think that's something that we should be able to have in mainstream discourse is not an either or but a both and and to see how they reconcile or not or how they collide with each other.
0: Mm. <laughs> I think that's a good place to close it. I don't think it can get better than that. <laughs> I know.
2: <laughs> okay. Um, so, Morgan, can you just talk about your book for real quick? If listeners want to hear more from you on Wandering in Strange Land, a Daughter of the Great Migration, Reclaims Her Roots. Uh, just plug your book for a sec. Tell us yeah. where you find it and what it's about.
1: So, Wandering in Strange Land, like, as I mentioned earlier, you know, I am a descendant of people who migrated out of the South and fleeing mm-hmm. terrorism. So, I would argue one of the greatest cultural shifts in American history was between 1910 and 1970, where millions of African-Americans fled the South, moved to all these places Mm -hmm. and um, across the country. And what I realized in my family is that we had these different gaps and omissions in what we did and what we believed with regards to customs, beliefs, and traditions. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to figure out, you know, what's the root, pun intended, of these things? And I thought to myself, you know, as African-American, I know that I'll probably never be able to know which country in Africa I came from. I probably would not know the ethnic group. But if family has been here for several generations. What can I recover on American soil? So what I did was I took a reverse migratory route and I went to the South, the Midwest and the West to connect the dialogues between those who fled the South and those who remained in order to have these discussions. So for example, if anyone is interested in why there's this cyclical nature in protest, why we're talking about reparations, why we're talking about systemic violence, land displacement, erasure, hidden figures, all this hidden history sundown towns wink wink Mm -hmm. um you will like this book because what you will see is that in spite time and distance that black americans are connected and you were able to see the magnitude of how much has been you know on us you know to curtail our movement and to live autonomously so as i was doing that sort of work talking to people in different areas um, in order to speak about this I also was able to trace 300 years of my own family history Mm -hmm. in this country so if you're also interested in that um, if you're a history nerd for a look you know or you just want to read more about black people and black communities and um yeah I would say this book is for you and I think it's coming out of an eerily prescient time if I do say so you can get that at Major bookstores and online retailers. You can follow me at Morgan Jerkins um, on Twitter or Instagram underscore Morgan Jerkins. And yeah, that's awesome. All. Awesome, thank you. Yeah, so if uh, mm-hmm. listeners have any
2: questions for Morgan, tweet at her. And if anyone wants to ask me or Mia questions about Lovecraft Country, our podcast, or anything. Uh, Leave us a good review on iTunes and leave us a question there and we will answer it on our next episode. Um, Thank you so much, Morgan, for coming and joining us. This has been so great. Really,
1: really great. Thank you so much for the time and you know, let me know if you need anything else. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. Have a good night, y'all. Thank you. Good night. And we (laughs) will be back
0: in our podcast on Sunday night to talk about episode three. So bye, everyone. Bye, Bye, guys.